Well, the market's swinging around a lot the last few days. What does that mean for complaints against advisors? We're going to talk about that today with thought leader Liz Weston on today's Money with Friends. Welcome to Money with Friends, coming to you live from my mom's half-finished basement outside of Detroit, Michigan, where we make the Stacky Benjamin Show. I'm Joe Saul Cihai. Hey, I'm Liz Weston. Coming to you from Nerd Wallet in Los Angeles. <laughs> it's been fantastic. This is the podcast where we cover recent stories ripped from the financial press. Today, we're covering one from Investment News, a place where uh, industry insiders hang out. Not only do we read them like some podcasts, but we also dive into those to talk about how they affect your wallet and what you can do to invest, save, and pay down debt more effectively. If that's not enough, we'll also share with you a big idea that you can take away all in less than 20 minutes. Today's show is brought to you by Ubiquity. Thanks to Ubiquity Retirement and Savings for supporting Money with Friends. Ubiquity offers simple, online, affordable small business retirement solutions starting at just $75 a month. Get ahead of the future with help from Ubiquity's team of experts. Visit myubiquity.com to learn more. That's M-Y-U-B-I-Q-U-I-T-Y.com to learn more. You know, um, a lot of people that operate small businesses, Liz, think that it's really that that it's really expensive to set up a 401k plan for your employees and some companies like Ubiquity finally making it a little less expensive. Yeah, and that's really important because people need those workplace plans. They're like five times more likely to save if they have one. So set one up, guys. Is <laughs> it the right thing? Yeah, behavior is everything. Mm-hmm. Well, Absolutely. today we're going to talk about another sad piece of behavior, which is when the market goes down, people tend to want to blame somebody. And in this case, it's their advisor. So Liz and I are going to talk about that here in a second, but let's see which one of our friends is going to kick off today's show. This is Lacey from the Military Money Show. Just when you thought it couldn't get any better, it's time for our headlines. All right. Today's uh, piece comes to us from Investment News. It is written by Mark Schaff Jr. And the headline is market volatility likely to lead to outbreak of FINRA arbitration cases. Uh, Mark writes, extreme market volatility caused by the concerns about the coronavirus is likely to cause an outbreak in FINRA arbitration cases, two experts predicted in a recent blog post. The market gyrations inevitably will generate claims by investors against their brokers as they question whether financial professionals had their backs as their accounts fell precipitously. In their blog post, What's Past is Prologue, George Friedman, editor-in-chief of the Securities Arbitration Alert, and Rick Ryder, founder and president of the Securities Arbitration Commentator, wrote that the effect of past market disruptions on arbitration illustrate what's likely to happen this time around. They point to the Black Monday crash in October 1987, the tech wreck in 2000, and the financial crisis in 2008-2009 as examples of severe market downturns that led to an increase in arbitration claims. Quote, when the markets perform well, arbitration filings decline, Mr. Friedman and Mr. Ryder wrote. When there are prolonged, significant market declines, the case filings surge as surely as the swallows return to Capistrano, <laughs> <laughs> which they're not as much, but I get, I get the point. Simply put, people fight less when they are making money and they fight more when they are losing money. It's funny in college, I would, I worked for a water treatment company, they sold water softeners and water purifiers, Liz. And they would go, our salespeople would go from city to city to city. 
And whenever um, the salesman would sell a lot of stuff, which we knew ahead of time, which cities had really bad water, which ones didn't, everybody was happy. Everybody got raises. And then we would go through this string of cities where the water was relatively clean. People would get fired. Bad things would happen. It's the same here, I feel like. People, <laughs> the, the market goes badly and immediately we want to point the finger. But why is yeah. that? <laughs> why Why is human nature human nature? Right, that's right. <laughs> well, actually, I think there's a couple of things going on. One is there are legitimate issues where people were sold the wrong things, where they were lied to, where they weren't listened to, they're in the wrong product, and now it's absolutely obvious. And so that's a chunk of these claims. And then the other chunk is, you know, them telling their advisors, I'm aggressive, I'm out there, I'm risk tolerant, I can sleep at night with, you know, 100% in stocks, and discovering, nope. Not so much. That's that's not actually what happens. They see their wealth start to decline and they panic. It's funny. During my 16-year career as a financial advisor, I had two complaints about me. Only one actually made my broker check. And by the way, if you want to check on your financial advisor, head to FINRA has this site called Broker Check. Um, where you can look them up. So one made it, the other one did not. But I'll talk about both of them because they both happened during market downturns. And they were exactly, Liz, what you're talking about. I became somebody's financial advisor during a downturn. And I saw that they had been sold some horrible, by the way, annuity product, shock, right? Uh, horrible, yeah. horrible and annuity in the same sentence. That's weird. They, <laughs> Never yes, happens. Yes, that's right. For those of you that don't know, we're being a little sarcastic. Happens sadly a lot. But the um, uh, I recommended, and this is something advisors rarely do. You don't recommend people people file a lawsuit or complain um, uh, to an attorney about somebody else in your field. You just It's like one doctor t- telling you that they should sue another doctor. It doesn't happen. But this was bad enough, Liz, that I recommended it. Their lawyer recommended that they not only file a complaint against the old advisor, but they file one against me as oh. well. And so, um, and so that's the one that actually made it to my file. And I'm the one that pointed it out. So very <laughs> frustrating, but nothing I could do. And frankly, I didn't really care to, uh, uh, about whether I needed to fix it or not. It came up a few times, but sadly, as you know, Liz, nobody, nobody checks broker check. Yeah. Um, yeah, so I think sure. it came up twice and then it started a good conversation that I was happy to have. With my client, but that was number one, and not to dominate this conversation. But number two was uh, was the market went through the floor. My client had told me they were super aggressive. I backed down their risk level. I would say a lot. Um, I don't remember the percentage, but when things started to fall, immediately they hired yeah. an attorney. Said that I was way too aggressive for their for their needs. And um, luckily, in that case, my my firm had my back. Uh, I was with Ameriprise, and Ameriprise uh, 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 heard their whole side of the story and my whole side of the story. And Ameriprise, and, and by the way, firms don't often do this. Ameriprise told their attorney, "Bring it, go ahead and bring it." Because I oh, think, oh wow, yeah, because I think our advisor. And and by the way, the attorney did not bring it because the yeah. attorney told them, "There's there's there's nothing here." Yeah, yeah. Yeah, sometimes there's a lot of intimidation that goes on. Yes. So it's it's hard to know from the outside. One of the interesting things that's going on, though, that we've heard about, Wealthfront was talking about this, and I think some of the other robo-advisors, is their signups have increased. We're seeing on NerdWallet a big surge of interest in our investing 
content. Oh, And the hypothesis is all those people that were on the sidelines saying that they were going to jump in when the market dropped are doing it. Oh. And that is astonishing because normally people that are holding off saying, I'm going to wait for a downturn, they don't get in because they get scared. Yes. But maybe there's something different this time. Maybe there were enough people that were actually primed to do what they, they said they were going to do. Now, you're getting in now, so you have to tough it out because likely there will be some more declines along the way. But I, I was really surprised to hear that. The Wealthfront, I forget what they said, the volume of their signups was, but it was a significant uptick. Wow. I, think, I think that's important. I mean, I think people during times like now um, hopefully go looking for good advice and good good uh, content, right? Go looking mm-hmm. for how do I diversify correctly? I mean, some of the groups I'm in on Facebook, it's horrible to see some people just flailing and we've only had, what, a few days of this, frankly. <laughs> When, yeah, this is pretty short term, guys. This right. is, uh, could go a lot longer. Yeah. Sorry to say. Which makes me, which also makes me afraid. I get afraid of these people that say, back the truck up now, you know, because, you know, I mean, it, uh, uh, 2001, 2002, I think a lot of our audience doesn't remember those days. But, yeah. but that went for two solid years of people saying, back the truck, truck up, and it just kept getting worse and worse. Mm-hmm. Exactly. And, you know, 2008, 2009, I remember hearing from one of my, favorite financial advisors that, you know, he was ready to put his mask on. He was getting that frightened because it went on for so long and it dropped for so much. Um, so, you know, if you are in the market, which I think everybody should be, you got to hang in there because it's going to do things like this. I don't think we'll see, you know, the depression era, 90% drops in stocks, but you should be able to weather a 50% drop and knowing that it is going to come back eventually, but it can be very painful in the meantime. I think it's, I think, you know, a lot of people say either don't look at it or don't be afraid. I think it's okay to be afraid. I think I'm of the don't look at it uh, group because I think you could panic. I think you could do the wrong thing. And really what happens day to day, month to month, even year to year in the stock market doesn't make much difference if you're retiring in 30 years or 20 years, you know? It's way out in the future. You don't have to worry about it. Where I would start getting a little nervous is if you're within five, 10 years of retirement. And that's when I think everybody should go see a fiduciary fee-only financial planner to have a look at your portfolio and make sure your plan for retiring actually makes sense. Most people don't do that. Most people retire without even figuring out if they have enough money. And this is, if nothing else gets you to a good fee-only fiduciary financial advisor, I'm hoping this is it. You know, if you're coming in on retirement, now is the time to take a look and to talk to somebody, get a second opinion, because you don't know what you don't know. Yeah. I wanted to, br- I'm glad you brought that back to advisors because I was thinking something very similar, uh, uh, similarly, similar. Some, I don't know. Same. Which, yes. <laughs> I was thinking the same, very close to the same. The, um, uh, and, and this idea about complaints against advisors, I think, I think part of this, Liz, and tell me if you agree, I think part of this is because people want to take their money to an advisor and they just want to hand it over. I would never do that. I would hire an advisor to teach me how this works. And if the advisor actually is helping you learn what's important and what's not, because it's not about information anymore. There's information all over the place. It's like what information applies to me. If the advisor's teaching me, then I think I'd never complain about my advisor. If my advisor takes it and runs with it and I don't like the way they ran with it, that's where the complaints come from. 
Yeah, absolutely. I, I do think there's a role for handing it over, at least having an advisor who's more hands-on when you're approaching or in retirement, because you want there to be some stability. If something happens to you, you want your spouse to be able to be taken care of, but I'm all for the education. And you know, if you are paying for a financial advisor, especially if you're paying an asset management fee, you know, those 1% on your investable assets, you should be hearing from them a lot. They should be fielding your questions. They should be soliciting from you, you know, how you doing? What can we do? What what other areas of your finances can you look at? I, I don't think I'd ever pay 1% just to have somebody off in the corner doing investments and never talking to me. That doesn't make sense to me. No, that doesn't make sense to me either. And also though, and what people should be wary of is an advisor who moves a lot, because believe it or not, if you have an investment policy statement that you're working from, like a good advisor will, the appropriate thing to have happen, I think, Liz, right here is your advisor calls you and walks you back through what your strategy was, but does nothing. I've heard a lot from CFPs lately. People are calling them saying, what should we be doing now? And the advisor is saying, we should be doing nothing. Mm-hmm. Um, and But that's hard for people because this is maybe the only industry on earth where doing nothing most of the time <laughs> is the right thing to do. <laughs> yeah. If you have a good asset allocation, if you've got a plan, if you know where you're headed, then sitting put is probably the, the thing you want to do. If you need to do something, maybe look at some expenses to trim. Maybe look at bumping up your 401k another percent or so. That's active participation that actually makes sense. Moving things around just to move things around, selling things just because you're panicked, that doesn't make a lot of sense. Now, I will say, I think this long boom, boom market has tempted people to put money into the market that shouldn't have been there. You know, if you're going to need the money within five years and sometimes within even 10 years, that should be in cash. That should be out of the market. So I think we are seeing some of that that people realized, oh, you know, I stayed at the party a little bit too long. So if your asset allocation is way out of black, if you haven't got the money in cash that you need to have in cash, then I could see making a move, even with this market. I mean, I know it's tempting to just wait until things calm down, but, you know, they could get worse. So if you're in a situation where you shouldn't have been in the market in the first place, maybe now is the time. But again, get some help with this. A, A lot of people are just so committed to the DIY. And, you know, we've made people afraid of advisors because there are a lot of ones out there that don't have your interests first, but if they are committed, if they are fiduciary to putting your your interests ahead of their own, it's it's a good idea to take advantage of that, to get somebody else's eyes on your plan. I think it's an easy piece to write, frankly, um, that advisors taking advantage of people for two reasons. It's it's what we understand, people being taken care of or, or being taken to the cleaners. We also... Mm-hmm. It's also clickbaity, and and you've been a journalist long enough to know that the articles just seem to get more and more damn clickbaity. The longer we go, the editor wants a clickbaity title, and that's very clickbaity. And the third thing is compliance departments largely prevent the advisory business, I feel like, from fighting back against that. Like they're mm-hmm. like, nope, we'd rather not say anything, so we don't say don't say the wrong thing. It it, yeah. it seems to be. Hey, we do this live in front of a Facebook audience, and people are having some fun. I say fun, kind of tongue in cheek with this topic because there's nothing fun about advisors taking advantage of people or markets going down. Uh, Ron is hanging out with us and said, I was thrilled I bought stocks on sale until the next day. Damn. (laughs) (laughs) And that's why that's what we were talking about, right? (laughs) (laughs) That's why we don't back the truck up, Ron. Exactly that. Because 
when when this thing can go down, I I think a lot of people that are either hanging out with us, Liz, or that are listening, um, you know, they haven't been through an extended downturn, so they don't realize that markets can go down for a long, long time. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, you can look at over time, and it, it over time it goes up. So I'm not worried about that. I'm not worried that it won't come back because. You know, basically what the stock market is, is the productivity of the world. And we are, as human beings, we are productive people. We will find workarounds. We will, you know, deal with the coronavirus. We'll deal with everything that comes at us. But in the short term, it can get a little rocky. The the key, I think, is focusing on the fact that I'm not retiring tomorrow, (laughs) as far as I know. And I do expect to have a, a long time in retirement. So I want this volatility now so I can continue to do my dollar cost averaging. And then when it's time to retire, we're going to be at another level. So that's that's how I keep from panicking. And also, as you said, if you've been through this a time or two or three or five, you know what happens. Everybody freaks out and then things get better. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, the, the, the more I've been through, the more watching people freak out is a is a horrible, horribly fun pastime. Um, <laughs> it should not be fun. It You're weird, Joe. <laughs> it, it, yeah, it, it, it should not be fun, but I'm like, oh boy, here we go again. Sarah's hanging out with us and says, I don't have an advisor and I've only been in the market for a few years. I'm not looking at my accounts and so far it's not bothering me. I wonder if it's because I don't have too much at stake yet. You know, Sarah brings up something interesting. I've I've heard some studies where advisors do the wrong thing, Liz, by saying, how would you feel if your accounts are down 30%? And people hear 30% and go, eh, I'd be fine. But if you've got a million dollars invested and I said the same thing, if I said, what would you feel about losing $300,000? People answered that question completely differently, even though it's the same thing. Yeah, exactly. I don't know that there is a risk tolerant risk tolerance quiz that actually works. This is the quiz. This is what will show your mettle. When something like this happens, what do you do? And unfortunately, or fortunately, uh, we need to have stock market exposure for that growth. Even though we have to go through things like this, stock mar- stocks as a class do better than any other investment. And that includes real estate, by the way. So it's where we need to be if we want that growth, if we want to retire someday. But this kind of uh, volatility is what we've got to put up with to get those returns. And that's unfortunate. Which is funny because every, when you make that point about stocks, stocks and real estate, historically, the two asset classes that have more reliably than others kicked inflation's butt, which is what we're really worried about. Right. And, um, but they both have, they both have Achilles heel right now. We're experiencing the Achilles heel of stocks that it could be volatile. The cool thing is though, you can take your money out fairly quickly Real estate as another one, those cycles, Liz, go a lot more, and I'm going to say a little more smoothly, right? They're, they're, they're bigger, longer waves. But the bad news is I can't sell off my, my bathroom sink if I, <laughs> if I need a few bucks to go to Disney World. Well, and, you know, they've looked at residential real estate and it actually kind of breaks even once you once you take inflation into account. And as anybody who's a homeowner knows, there's a lot of other expenses that go along with being a homeowner. There's, you know, things are always breaking. There's property taxes, insurance, everything else. So to me, looking at your house is just a use asset. It's something that you consume. It's somewhere you live. That's great. The where the action is with real estate, it tends to be more in the, the apartment complexes, the commercial real estate, that kind of stuff. And most people can't get enough diversification 
in that. You know, you're going to buy one property and then all your money's riding on that. So the way to to get around that is, you know, real estate investment trusts, it's real estate focused ETFs, it's doing things that way, letting somebody else manage the property, letting somebody else fix the plumbing at three in the morning. To me, that's the way to go. I mean, I love having my house. I'm glad it's appreciated. We opted not to do another house, you know, not a vacation rental or whatever, because it just didn't want to hassle with it. And I had about three months experience being a landlord. I will never do that again. I'm not built for it, but REITs and real estate ETFs, I'm all in. I have I have one rental property. Uh, I don't think I'll ever have to. Like you, it's not for me. But 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 my son is is 24 already buying his second one, and he's wow. super excited about it and building. Yay. Yeah, I mean, if you can start early, it'll be interesting to see. You know, um, and I know some of those people do a lot of math before they buy, but it is it's it's a complex world. It definitely is. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, In just a second, Liz and I are going to have our takeaway from today's piece about uh, advisors and markets being shockingly all over the place. But while we, while I wait for Liz to uh, save this episode with just the best takeaway ever. No, (laughs) no. (laughs) the bar's high, Liz. Uh, okay. I got to say a big thanks to Ubiquity Retirement and Savings for supporting Money with Friends. You know, if you're a small business owner, choosing the right retirement plan can seem pretty complicated, but Ubiquity makes it easy to save for the future on your terms and within your budget. In just a few clicks, you can see 401k plans designed by experts online, or you can talk to them personally and tailor a plan that meets your specific needs and the needs of your employees. Ubiquity's affordable flat fee plan start at just $75 a month. So whether you're a solopreneur or you have a team of 100 employees, everybody gets the same exceptional service at Ubiquity. Kickstart your future at myubiquity.com. That's M-Y-U-B-I-Q-U-I-T-Y.com to learn more. And um, if you tell them you listen to the show, by the way, there is a small setup fee and they even waive that. So just tell them that you heard it on Money With Friends. All right, Liz, what is our big takeaway today? I think the big takeaway is that you still need a financial advisor, but you want to make sure it's somebody who's a fiduciary. It's somebody who puts your interests first. I think having an advisor that comes in that capacity will help you get your your situation squared away. And if something goes wrong, we'll hold your hand through it. I think where the problem comes up is when people get sold stuff with it that doesn't make sense for them. Yeah. And I, and I, I want to just daisy chain right off Liz, your point, because I think that whenever I hear people tell me that they don't use advisors, um, I get a little frustrated only because whether it's a financial advisor or a mechanic for my car or a doctor or, um, uh, somebody who's very smart about something I don't know a lot about being the dumbest person in the room has always kind of served me well. Making sure that I surround myself with very smart people, I think is a key to getting ahead. But the key there is that I'm using my advisor to learn from. I'm not using my advisor to take it and just run away with it. I don't want to abdicate. I want to delegate. And so if I'm delegating correctly, I'm asking a lot of questions. I'm learning. And you know what? The market's going to go down again, Liz. So after this downturn, if I can learn as much as possible, so whatever mistakes I make this time, I don't make next time. That's fantastic. My goal should be that if my advisor gets, God forbid, gets hit by a truck, 
uh, I know more because I worked with that person than I did had I never had them. So that, that I think is my takeaway as well. Yep. Amen to all that. You are not only writing at NerdWallet you ha- and, and everywhere else, it seems like. I feel like everybody syndicates. Like you write at NerdWallet and then everybody in, on earth syndicates it. I see you all over the place. You're also part of a new hit podcast. Oh, yeah. I'm co-host of NerdWallet's Smart Money Podcast. And we are deep into production. We're having a great time. Several of our episodes have already dropped. So, you know, look for the Smart Money Podcast where you get your podcasts. It's addictive, isn't it? It really is. It's a whole lot of fun. I'm surprised. So addictive. Well, hopefully we can keep Liz addicted to this show long enough to bring her back tomorrow. You'll see. Listen in. Uh, On behalf of Liz, I'm Joe. We'll see you back here tomorrow at Money with Friends. Bye-bye. This show is created and hosted by Joe Salcihai and Bobby Rebel and is a joint venture of BRK Media LLC and Stacking Benjamins LLC, copyright 2020. Ryan Sini and Nicole Thornhill from Pro Podcast Solutions engineered this show and Ashley Wall is the producer. For a list of the thought leaders who appear on the podcast, head to our website, moneywithfriendspodcast.com. You can also check out our schedule for upcoming recording sessions so you can join us and be a part of the show. As with anything, remember, you shouldn't take advice from any of us or other video or podcasts without first talking to your financial advisor and that the people in this episode are here for your and their entertainment purposes only. I'm Joe's mom's neighbor, Doug, and we'll see you back here next time with another episode of Money with Friends.